Welcome to Navigating Change, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here once again with Howard Teibel. Howard, hello. Hey, Pete. How are you today? I'm doing very well. It's great to talk to you again. We have a uh, we have an interesting topic today. I think it's interesting because it's uh, it, it's coming from a guy that uh, you uh, that I don't think is in this business. Uh, you, the topic that you had on your mind is is uh, everything is sales. <laughs> now you're I not love it. you're not a sales guy. I love that. Yeah, that's I'm, true. There are. I'm not a sales guy, but guess what? Everything, everything I do, and it, it's sort of a wake up call. I can remember being at a, uh, at a at a professional organization, and it was in for consultants. And the 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 level of discomfort that even consultants have thinking that they're salespeople it's it's, it's like a dirty word. And I think the problem is is that we've got the wrong definition for what selling is. You know, it's really about giving people what they need. Now, obviously, do I need the latest BlackBerry? No. I mean, there is there is a world of selling people things they don't need. Uh, I'm not in that business. I'm in the business of helping organizations better do the things they need to do. And the last thing I need to do is sell them something that they don't need. So put aside that whole other market of you know, software products or technology, whose job really is to convince you that you need this. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about what it means to partner with an organization, or if you're in the organization, what it means to partner with your customers. And your customers, by the way, may just be, for example, business units you work with. So take the word selling out and call it partnering, but ultimately there is an art to selling effectively. And by the way, it's a lifelong exercise. You don't, you never get there. Okay, so you are, you're asking us to kind of get out of a, uh, of a place that, uh, that comes from a place of discomfort, right? It's the place where we're skeptical and and we distrust or mistrust people who we can conceive as trying to sell us something. Uh, and, and we're talking about uh, uh, about using this art of communication. That's right. So absolutely. How uh, how does this uh, t- tell me how this relates to uh, to teams? How does this relate to the teams and change uh, change efforts that you're helping organizations uh, deal with? How do you help these teams start and convey to them what they're going to get out of it? Well, I'll give you an example. I I was working with a uh, an organization recently, and one of the pieces of this initiative was to bring their business units more in line with what their goals are. So they had a particular goal to be more, greater partners with these different business units and be a resource to them uh, in terms of thinking further out about where the organization can go. And what's so interesting is it's an incredibly smart, effective group that has some you know, phenomenal long-term views about where the organization can go, but they're dealing with business units that really are looking at a much shorter-term horizon. So you can go into that conversation saying, let me try and convince you 
why what we're coming up with is really what you need, you're going to hit resistance immediately. So the strategy that they applied was let me listen to what you group of business unit leaders believe we need to do because you know what? They're already thinking about it and there's a presumption that you got to be really careful about if you're trying to get teams to work with you, the presumption that you know something they don't know. There's an arrogance I think we have which falls, makes us fall into this convincing mode where we actually believe that if people only listen to us, they would be doing the right thing when in fact what they really need to do is be heard. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, there's a, I, I had a boss once, I think I've told you this, I had a boss once who used to tell me the only thing you need to become an expert is to come from further than 50 miles away and carry a briefcase. And, and that's really where that arrogance comes from, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, exactly. Because if you ask people to start with the number one thing that is the most difficult to do is just open into a conversation with, I'm going to listen before I tell you what I think uh, you should be doing. And you, that means you've got to give up something. Now, the dilemma is most people tie their success with this idea that somehow they have to be an expert. And at least my definition of being an expert is not that I know everything, but it's really that I know enough to be able to partner with you in a conversation or in an initiative. Obviously, you have to have enough background. But when you bring experts to the table and your customers or whoever you're working with defer to the experts, I can tell you that's the single most uh, single greatest reason I have seen why partnerships don't work. And what I mean by partnership is, let, let's take, take an example of you're putting in a new significant software upgrade and you bring an outside consulting firm in and they are the experts. Well, guess what? Everybody internal defers to them and the experts, if they're, you know, if the business model is let's embed ourselves in the organization and let's convince them how they can't survive without us. You are not going to build internal competence. It's not going to be in their interest. But the truth is, if you guided them and said, listen, from day one, we need you to help us be independent, it changes the definition of what they're offering. Then their expertise, they're bringing their expertise to the table, but how they're navigating it with you is based on, in a sense, transferring knowledge. And that's a subtle difference, and you can't expect sometimes a consulting firm or even an individual to know to, to, to operate that way. You may actually need to come out and say, this is how we'd like you to operate with us. Well, that sort of beats the, the, the traditional approach to hiring outside expertise, right, which is some layer of executive or middle management has determined that outside expertise is required and assigns them a project to work with internal folks who are then uh, consulted upon. Uh, and and to go and to sort of back into it and say you know what we don't know if these outside experts are right but we know they've done what we're trying to do in the past 
and and we need to understand the nature of our problem and see if that expertise applies to what we're trying to accomplish. And you know what? Sometimes the if you think about the uh, the motivation of bringing outside expertise, if you're bringing in you know the the top five consulting firms in the country recognized by everybody, you're doing it also to make a statement for senior management. We right. we're using the best, and the, if if Sometimes when that's going on, you are looking for them to tell you what to do. Most of the times, where what what organizations are looking for though is has a, another layer of that, which is yes, you can make the recommendations, you can tell us this is how we should shift courses, but actually implementing it—that's where I see the breakdown coming. Where it's it's not about the recommendations. It's about helping with the implementation. Okay, so that brings up the last sort of critical point, right? You have you you come in as an outsider, you listen to the problem, you understand the problem, you you have enough buy-in to have that conversation that you're talking about. But how do you transition from uh, from the discussion, from that point of understanding, to building a solution and implementing it? Well, that's interesting. We're sort of we're we're moving into an interesting area because we're sort of moving off the broad category of uh, this idea of selling. But but what's interesting about your comment is, as I move to this, what I mentioned, which was implementation. Mm-hmm. I think that is that's where having explicit conversations about expectations is key, and you can't wait until the end to do it. So the whole idea of transitioning out, you know, getting your work done, what does it mean that we're going to be successful in our partnership? And defining that up front and not waiting until later on to see where those gaps are. So from an implementation standpoint, I think the breakdown comes. And I can tell you, I'm often in that situation where I have to explicitly voice what does it mean? Where do you want to be after we're done? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, as a consultant, uh, we're always looking for more business. And I think that's where it really is up to the integrity of the person or group being brought in to say, how do we really serve the organization? I think it really starts with setting expectations up front and then doing the work to support that, which means you're transferring knowledge. Now, some consultants or consulting firms' goal is not to transfer knowledge. That is the business that I'm in. Now, and I'm not saying it's always easy. Sometimes when we're done, they are not necessarily better off than they were. I mean, it does happen. We all have been in consulting arrangements uh, where that's happened. To get back to the earlier point here, because it sounds a little bit like we're focusing on, if you were listening here and you're working in a department, that we're talking about how to be a better consultant. What we're really talking about here, if you use consultants or outside resources or even a team concept is, what does it mean for you to articulate what your needs are? So whatever resources you get brought in for a project, the key is, to make sure that the people that are on the team understand where we're trying to get to, who needs to own the results in the end, 
And how are we going to make sure that happens? And someone needs to be responsible for that. I think I'm so glad you brought it back to that point, because that's what's in the back of my mind, right, which is at every level of your of your uh, discussion, there is a point where you are both selling in terms of communicating your intentions and your expectations and being sold, which means you are you're allowing yourself to open up to uh, others' expectations and intentions. And somewhere in the middle is where that uh, that real sort of magic comes, that implementation yeah. expectation comes. And I think that's a very powerful message. And, you know, if we were to wrap this up with anything, as I was actually brainstorming about, I was reading this book on sales. And as I was reading it, I was not thinking about selling our services. I was thinking about a client engagement I was in and how if they employed some of these principles around conveying and listening versus trying to convince and listening first, and some of the very core principles in excellent selling, they would be more effective within their own organization. So my my point here that I'd want to leave people with is to consider opening yourself up to bringing the concepts around selling to the way you do business, but not selling in the traditional sense, selling in the sense of helping people realize what it is that they need and how you can help them. And it's not about what you know or what you have. It's about what they need and then fulfilling that need. Well, that's as good a way to wrap it up as any. Uh, great great discussion. I, I hope that helps some folks understand. Most importantly, in in the uh, that area of letting yourself uh, be open to to listening and reflecting critically on not just what you have, but what they need. That's very powerful. Uh, thanks for your time and uh, and wisdom today, Howard. I, I sure appreciate it. Well, you're you're you have the same, uh, Pete. Too. I really enjoy talking with you. You get me thinking a lot too. Outstanding, outstanding. So, uh, on behalf of of uh, Howard Tybel and myself, my name is Pete Wright. Uh, you can find out more about the show at tybelinc.com. Just look for the podcast link, and you can find us, listen to the show, uh, and subscribe to the show in iTunes, and hear all of our back episodes. Uh, until next week, this has been navigating change. Mm-hmm.